0: Hey guys, my name is Andre Jack. Welcome to Millennial Money. I'm just doing this voice because I'm emulating Jeremy.
2: His you know, voice is we lost. We should all talk like this so Jeremy doesn't feel bad. We
1: Thank should, you. We should. It's going to be a quiet episode. I'm usually the loud one that starts getting animated, so the fact that I'm talking quiet, it's going to be a really quiet episode. You better listen up, people, because we got important stuff to discuss today. What happened to your voice? I lost it. Why? <laughs> well, I think I got a little sick, and I kept making videos and videos. And remember last week on Millennial Money, I told you guys at the start, I said... You know, hey, try to t- try to talk a little more this episode. And then I think I still probably talked the most out of the last episode. And next thing you know, uh Friday, I couldn't say, say anything. Saturday, I couldn't say anything. So oh, gosh, what are you sick with? Um, you know, just a few things. <laughs> it's not, it's nothing major, you know, of the realm Don't of worry things about you me, could I'm be. Just sick is it? Yeah. Is it, is it contagious? I mean, like, well, by contagious, that that's a relative term, you know, I mean, could you get it? Andre, do you want to change? <laughs> or maybe it's
0: better I'm
2: here because you, you're going to talk about it. Like be, ca- yeah.
0: be careful. You might end up like Jeremy with the last couple hundred thousand dollars left. <laughs> oh, And a hundred thousand dollars worth of silver. Yeah, pretty soon I'm going to start buying silver because <laughs> Jeremy got the silver bug. I
2: think yeah, that's what he came down with. the silver
1: bug. That's what happened. I got it. Can, can you... You bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of silver. <laughs> yeah. We
0: criticized this the
2: last episode. I did I know. Oh, I, I did it yeah. just
1: despite you guys because you were giving me so much crap about it. So, I, yeah, I put hundred thousand dollars of my emergency money into silver. Okay. So everybody has an emergency fund or at least I've always believed in this. I've been doing this since I was 18, 19, where I always had an emergency fund. Right. And so of that emergency fund, which emergency fund should usually be cash. It shouldn't be stocks. It shouldn't be real estate. Cause that's not like emergency money. Right. Uh, that's like the last thing you should ever sell in your life. Right. So, or crypto. So you're usually going to have a certain amount of cash. That's your emergency money. Right. And so, if you let's say have a million dollars in your emergency fund, which I don't, I wish I had a mer- million dollar emergency fund, but let's say you had a million, that million dollars over the next <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Andre's face that we got, Andre, I, I got I, Mr. I joke Mr. Line though. Mr. Relatable here. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, let's say $10,000 emergency fund, okay?
2: <laughs> okay. You know, I'm gonna take Andre's spot here. You know, like that's some people's retirement goals. Okay, like we okay, get okay. like a million dollars and then withdraw 3%. Graham's like, how area. do I get more okay. Okay. more like button smashes okay. here? Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. okay, okay, okay. so $100,000 emergency fund. <laughs> a so, so, so like a month's worth.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: so a A week. A week. All right. Wow, we even got Alex laughing in the background right here. Uh,
1: just all jokes today. <laughs> and thank you, FTX, for sponsoring today's video. We appreciate you. No, no but l- let's say you got $10,000, okay? Your $10,000 over the next 30 years buying pet value is going to go down immensely, right? So uh, I was looking at like the, the value of a dollar since I've been born in 1989, which I'm an 80s baby, if you didn't know. 80s okay? man as well. Oh, very nice, okay. Yeah, unlike some people that are born in the 90s. <clears throat> some poor people that might have been born in the 2000s. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, 89. Alex is not born in the 2000s. Oh, really? Okay. Whoops. Oh, shoot. Damn. Wow, Alex, you're getting up there, man. Gosh. Have you thought about life insurance? <laughs> oh, gosh. Com slash life. life. No, no, I'm no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
2: gosh. <laughs> we okay. could keep that in there. I don't know. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, okay, okay. Anyways, I've, let seen so, to, I've watched good. so many videos, that, like instinctually, every time I hear life insurance. Coupon like, code. <laughs> <laughs> you got $10,000, Okay. okay?
1: So $10,000 in 1989, is now uh, basically worth at least 50 percent less in today's dollars than it was in 1989 right meanwhile if you would put that money in silver let's say for instance or gold um that, that money's at least uh, around doubled so let's say you'd put five thousand dollars in silver your $5,000 worth now or $10,000. Your other $5,000 of cash is really worth about $2,000 now. So the way I think about it is cash is a melting ice cube. So let me put a portion of my emergency fund over here in silver. And then the rest uh, can be obviously in cash. And so let's assume I ever had to tap into my emergency money, which I've only had to do that probably three times in the past 14 years. And one, one of those times was when I started my real estate marketing company. So let's say I got to go into that. I'll go cash first, then I'll go silver, like Last last resort.
0: Mm. So. And so, hold on. You mentioned nineteen eighty nine. Uh, Ten thousand dollars is worth five thousand dollars in purchasing power. How much is silver worth?
1: So silver's worth about double. So essentially if you, you had ten thousand dollars back then, let's say you're like, I gotta divide this up five thousand, just keep it in cash. Five thousand is silver. Now it's worth about ten thousand. Mm. And then your five thousand in uh two
0: thousand or two and a half.
1: Yeah, Got yeah, is it. worth it's worth over fifty percent less in, in terms of the cash. Got it.
0: And then how liquid is silver? Like how quickly can you get rid of it and convert it to cash in your bank account?
1: Right now. I could do it in a second yeah
0: well you yeah. have to sell it and then it settles in a couple of days or or it's
1: uh, maybe uh it depends on on okay. you know what what preference you have with the brokerage yeah, it, or whatever. it's interesting
0: i i forget who mentioned this but but a lot of people treat like apple in the stock market kind of like the the gold standard where it's like yeah. it doesn't move a lot it's not losing much value and so a lot of people park their cash in just apple and hold it there and then withdraw it just to stay liquid if they want
1: yeah i think it's highly risky you think I, apple's pretty I, I, risky well i think any stock I don't care what you are. I mean, look at even Facebook. You know, Facebook fell 50% in a snap of fingers. For Apple to fall all of a sudden 20, 30, 40, 50% is not out of the realm of possibility. Like if all of a sudden they miss iPhone numbers and they miss iPad numbers and uh, the sentiment goes negative, I've seen Apple many times fall 30, 40, 50%. Like that happens Hmm. quick. Right.
2: So, but how long are you gonna be keeping this as an emergency fund? I mean, I know technically it's like forever. Yeah. uh, in a, the how, way- but how well does silver correlate against inflation? Because I'm looking back, yeah. and it's like pr- silver today is not that much higher. S- no, Jeremy. Well, like well, like well, if we go back look, to 2006, yeah. it was 1381, and today it's 23. I mean, has yeah. that kept up with inflation? Yeah, I, I don't know what the inflation numbers are back from 2006. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing for the most part. Yeah,
1: but if we go back to the last time period, we had massive inflation, which the, the only other time period we've had massive inflation in recent history is you go back to the 70s. And if you go back to silver in the 70s, silver went up over 1,000%, and I'm not banking on that. That's not why All I right. put my money in. I want to be very clear about that, because my 100,000 is going to grow into a million. If that happens, cool, dude, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I believe the dollar will obviously decrease in value over the next 20, 30 years, and silver will more than likely, in my opinion, increase over the next 20, yeah, well, 30 years. well,
2: here's the thing. Let's say you bought silver in 2012 at 30 you would be
1: less than that was, where you are today. That was right after a massive bull cycle. There's two time periods in silver's history. It went through uh, an epic kind of like Bitcoin type uh, craze, you know, and one was back at, right around 1980. It did this crazy spike up and the other was right around uh, coming out of the, the great financial crisis. If you look at uh, if you take those two time periods out, you know, out of the realm, um, silver's been. Fairly stable, but for those two freak time periods, for like a minute, it went absolutely bananas. So, so Jeremy, have you looked into I-bonds at all? That's a
0: really interesting alternative. But you could
2: only invest ten thousand
0: in I-bonds. and it adjusts every six months to inflation,
2: right? So mm. you could do that, but it would be a pain for you to, to put in a hundred grand because you could do like ten k for you, ten k yeah. for your wife. You could try to do like ten thousand through your kids if you pay. I, I don't know. I, I've seen some people get it up to like
1: 50,000. It's a lot of work. Yeah. No, for sure. But Just also, it's
0: about inflation. to yield like 9.6%, Correct. which is insanity. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true.
1: Yeah, and in, in one other point I'll make, I don't want to harp uh, the whole episode on silver, but I know you guys mentioned last episode, why not gold? Like, why silver? Why instead of gold? And past the industrial applications um, for silver, which is like EV, solar, and a bunch of other things. But if you look at uh, on a historical standard, like usually gold trades at like, like a 40 to 60 premium, like 40 to 60, uh, premium versus silver. Right now we're over 80, so right now I look at that and I say like gold is overvalued compared to silver. It's overbought. Yeah, exactly. And so in my opinion, and by the way, in the the 2020, it actually went to 100 to 1, which was just insane. Um, so that was completely unsustainable. So that's why I look at kind of silver as a better value in my opinion. But it's not like I'm going to make a killing on this. Mm. And I know the other thought process is Bitcoin, right? Like why not put that in Bitcoin? Uh, I still view Bitcoin as like... I wanna make a ton of money, I'm gonna buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin was created in 2009. We haven't seen Bitcoin go through decades and generations yet. And how that holds up, we don't know. So, um, that, that's a, that's yeah. That's a fair point.
0: Yeah, you wanna take less risk. And, and speaking mm-hmm. of, a couple episodes back, you brought some silver with you. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a show and tell item here with me mm-hmm. too. Uh, well, well, let me you, guess. You take Pokemon, some is that your
2: emergency fund? <laughs> I,
0: I will tell you how much it's worth okay. uh, hypothetically. Okay. Uh, you'll understand why I'm saying that. but. Uh, it's worth $123,000, <gasps> what's inside of here.
1: $123,000? Andre, yeah. you should have came over with the security guard. T- technically, <laughs> it's, it's, there it's are two. chef in there. <laughs> 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 One the whole day. Company, yeah. guys, One a whole company, hypo- company. Yeah, hypothetically, yeah. Yeah.
0: Actually, there's two things in there. They're both about the same value, but there two things. Okay. Anyway, if you want to take a guess throughout this episode, let me know. But uh, speaking of, you said Netflix
1: is just collapsing. Wow. What's going on? Yeah, and Graham, you text us. How did you see that?
2: Uh, I just happened to see it the moment it came up on. I was on CNBC, Mm -hmm. and then the little red bar came up at the top with the uh, Netflix. So I saw it as soon as it came up, and then I I texted it to you guys. Wow! Because I was like, wait, no, twenty five percent it dropped that much, and it's at the same price it was back in now two thousand eighteen. But I think it goes to show you they're seeing slowing. They're seeing actually declining subscriber growth Mm -hmm. because they've raised their cost. A lot of people are sharing passwords, a lot of competition. I'm curious how much TikTok is eating away into that. I am so curious because if someone has like 30 minutes to kill, are they putting on Netflix? Maybe not. Mm. It's easier just to scroll a little bit. I don't know. And lately the options on Netflix it's uh you get a few really good shows but a
1: lot of it is just like scrolling it takes like 15 minutes to find like something to watch Ooh, what, what's your perspective on that andre like do you watch a lot of netflix or like what's I your do. go-to maybe okay. i'm like an older target audience <laughs> here but I, I watch a lot of netflix actually okay.
0: uh but that's not fair i kind of use it to fall asleep <laughs> oh, okay <I laughs> you ever you. put on some movie and you just let just a movie you've seen a thousand times oh, and no, it's so much easier no. to
1: sleep. Oh yeah. I, I don't personally do that, but I, my mom was one of those. She'll put on the news yeah. uh, or like Seinfeld Anything. or whatever, yeah. you know, when I was a kid and she would just be I, passed out. I feel, out like, I feel like it on. takes
0: your mind off like the stress of the day mm-hmm. and I don't have to like th- live inside my head, try yeah. to fall asleep yep. and fight the demons. Yeah. So uh, it's just a lot easier to fall asleep to just something else and trying to tune yeah. out a sound yeah. rather than trying to tune out a, a thought. Yep. It's a lot harder.
1: Yeah. No, I can understand that. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't do that. I meditate. But at the same time, I understand like, and I know uh, Chris, my brother-in-law, he's one of those, he lived with us for a couple of years. And all the time, you know, obviously I stay up like super late and I just hear his TV on still at like two, three in the morning and hear him snoring like <laughs> You know, he's he's completely passed out, but I still yeah. hear his TV on and- and I, I put a I, one hour timer. It helps. You? Yeah, okay, It's so mm-hmm. useful. So useful. I think some people it's like if they wake up for a little bit and then they'll just like shut it off and it's like right. 3 a.m. or whatever. Right. So Wait, but, so so it's down 25%? Yeah. yeah. And it, the stock was already getting killed. This is a stock that was $700 a few months ago and it's 250 or so wow. after hours. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's the bottom. That's the craziest thing because uh, the issue with Netflix, to explain this as simply as possible, is you have uh, who invests in a company like Netflix is what's called growth investors. They're investing it because they believe it's gonna grow to the the sky. They just lost 200,000 subscribers. So now people are looking at it like, is this really a growth company or is this a company that's gonna start shrinking subscribers and the pie gets smaller? Um, And so you kind of get this debate of like, is this a short-term hiccup for Netflix or is this a long-term thing? and value investors are looking at it and they're like I don't know if I really see, want to rush see, into that's, this that's either that's why I was,
0: I've always kind of been afraid of growth stocks just because they can pivot on a dime we can and it's, and it's uh, I mean it's a little bit more of a riskier kind of uh, perspective but yeah. I don't know I don't really touch much of tech anyway mm-hmm. I think it's been overvalued for so long hmm like in 2020, I was buying a lot of oil when it was getting mm. beat up. Oh, yeah, was that's like, crazy. Yeah, people are chasing Tesla and Netflix and Google and all yeah. those. And I just stuck with the dividend stuff.
1: Yeah. Oil, man, that, that's what we should have been buying. Remember when you could like uh, if you had somewhere to receive the oil or something like that, you could get paid mm-hmm. when it went oh, negative. Yeah. I dumped oh a decent
2: gosh. amount into Exxon when it was, I think, $40 a, a share. That's really great. And uh, mm-hmm. no, I, I remember I bought it and it kept dropping mm. and dropping and dropping. Mm-hmm. And it was it was one of my worst performing investments for those few months afterwards. I think it dropped all the way down to like $30 a share, whatever. And I just forgot about it because I knew, hey, you know, it's Exxon. They're paying a good dividend. I'm just going to leave it alone. And I checked my account today. That same investment is up over 100%.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's nice. insane. For a nice. dividend stock, yeah, for exactly. a dividend you stock, just would never yeah. expect that. Yeah. yeah, that's why I love dividend stocks.
1: Oh yeah, well they, they, they outperform in a scary market. Like for instance, I have um my, my public account in the private stock group, and then I have a dividend account. Dividend account crushing a mm-hmm. public account, and, and my public account has Tesla in it too, whereas the dividend doesn't. But this just that's the market we're in. Everybody's a kind of risk off. No one wants growth stocks. But you know what's funny? Dividend investors are not
0: usually the kind of people to be like throwing their performance results in people's faces they're not like oh it's true I yeah. beat you they're, they're yeah. more of the mature kind of older folks right yeah whereas like the growth stuff i always associate that with like younger people who take yeah. more risk and so they're more vocal about like oh i told you i was right that's way better than the s p 500 yeah and the dividend guys are like oh it's just just you just wait
1: well it'll come yeah. back yeah values a little more in my opinion at least from what i've seen they're a little more outspoken this time and oh. i think it's because they had those spec stocks thrown in their face, mm-hmm. and the meme stocks, and it was right. like, "Look at how much money I'm right. making!" And I think some of those folks felt maybe Good a little jaded. vindicated. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I feel like they're probably a little more outspoken than they traditionally are. But yeah, that, that's an that's an interesting thing. Yeah. And so right now, a stock like Netflix, for instance, they're trying to find like who who's buying Netflix stock. Is it the growth investors or is it value investors or is it just there? It's are no just man's Jeremy. land. <laughs> no, I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> yeah. If it goes to a one in front of it, I might consider buying. Well, what's it. What's it at right now? Uh, about two fifty $250 after $250, hours. $250, yeah, okay. two hundred fifty five or something. I think it closed at maybe two fifty eight. Wow. So I'm so
2: shocked that Netflix never allowed for user generated content. Just imagine yeah. if if we could upload this to Netflix, mm. and then people could go on and be like, hey, just like like Spotify is taking over a lot of podcasts, Netflix could take over. Whatever it might be, just wow. upload a video to Netflix. And I'm sure in the beginning they'd have like a pre-approved, pre, uh, pre-approval pre-pre system where right. it's like they're going to get certain creators on there. That would do so well. That's true. That's mm-hmm. a
0: good point. Uh, fun fact, I've actually been on Netflix uh, so a couple really of years so ago. High. Have you really? Yeah. Oh yeah, for Mold- Selling Sunset. Mold- we'll right.
2: see and Selling Sunset's coming out by the way. With I think it's season six on April twenty second.
1: I, I watched the yeah. I watched the um, conference call interview thing that Netflix just uh, had a few hours ago. They mentioned Selling Sunset on no. it. No. Yep. Why? Well, be, basically, because uh, they're they're asking about like um, you know Netflix's future and those sorts of things, and, and uh, you know one of the executives of the company was explaining like you know uh, how several years ago Netflix wasn't creating their own content, and he brought out the example of like reality content, and he mentioned selling Sunset that's on the actual easy. yeah, yeah it's one cool. of the executives. I don't know
0: if you guys have ever seen um, uh, Nat Geo's Brain Games. That was a oh, really that's fun Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, I had like a whole episode? episode
0: dedicated to me. It was like what? season two, episode five, I believe it was called brain patterns. And I was showing magic tricks as a way to like demonstrate that, uh, there's a lot of discrepancies oh in, in the human mind. Yeah. I'm going to really, check that so out. It's a fascinating. Episode.
1: Now I feel like we got to get into the dirty subject of compensation and what Ooh. happened there on. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, it's interesting. I believe I got paid. Uh, mind you, this was like 2015, 2014. Okay. This was like seven, eight years ago. Uh, I believe I was paid. Uh, so I was there for two days shooting in New York. Mm-hmm. And I was paid five grand.
1: Wow. So it was not much. I know. I mean, it, it sounds like a fun, lot, ahead. but... Uh, you it's
0: know, not It's not much.
1: It's like considering how big that show was. Right,
0: right. Jeez yeah i don't know if they had a lot of funding and a huge budget but i wasn't like the main talent they had a host you know so i was just mm-hmm. one of the people they brought on as a guest so i imagine the host probably gets paid a decent amount
1: and how much time did you have to spend and had that worked like two full days in? two full days yeah okay. well my
0: friends uh and jerry Colbert and, and adam they, they produced it it was they're awesome they're okay. super creative yeah so i at least i got to make some a uh, longtime friends from that show nice. and, yeah, it was cool to see the thought process and the creative like process of how to put all that together. Yeah, it was really cool. Wow.
1: Yeah. I always wondered like, cause some of these shows, I assume they kind of do them on spec and then hope to sell it to a company like a Netflix or Hulu or whatever, right? Like imagine you want to make some sort of documentary well, on usually something.
2: usually the pilot. So they'll film a pilot. Okay. And that's on spec, mm-hmm. and then they'll take ah. that pilot and pitch it to different networks. And the networks will sometimes get feedback. And then if one picks it up, they'll say, "Okay, we'll give this budget for this many episodes. Do your thing." I and, see. So. Okay. And the
0: ratio of like the amount of networks they go and meetings they pitch is like a hundred to one. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. They could pitch to a hundred different sources, and maybe one will pick it up.
1: Whoa! Yeah,
0: very difficult.
1: That's crazy, and so to get a bidding war, you would have to have something just insane, huh? Yeah. Wow. It, it helps to have a proven
0: concept. Like if 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 a show you're doing on Facebook or on YouTube or TikTok or wherever has a tremendous you know amount of viewership, then it helps to have that leverage when you walk into the. Yeah,
2: but even room. then, they don't want shows that cannibalize on each other. Like let's say HGTV already has a whole bunch of real estate shows. Right. So they wouldn't want a Selling Sunset right. or Bravo. They already have multiple mm-hmm. real estate shows. Right. They wouldn't want you know Selling Sunset. But so for Netflix to pick it up, it's like we, we don't have anything like that. Yep. So not only wow. does it have to be somewhat proven, but they also got to take the risk on it with a concept that doesn't compete with an existing
1: show. Oh wow, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Have you guys seen uh the Kanye West um documentary type thing on Netflix yet? I haven't seen his yet. No. Oh, well, you have to watch that. I heard it's really good. It no. is so good. it's crazy because it, it, it's this guy um who's filming him before he was like, you know, like famous and whatnot. And through that whole like journey of like, you know, two years of like getting his first big album and whatnot. It was uh, is incredible, and I hardly ever watch that type of stuff. But I'm really into like documentaries and like you know the, the making of somebody that's going to be really successful. And then as it, grew, as it goes, he ends up kind of um, splitting apart from this guy that was filming oh. him. And to that guy, it, it kind of hurt him because he 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 uh, was from the outside looking in essentially. And then they ended up meeting up again like 15 years later, and then uh, again in 2020. Wow. And so this this project was over 20 years in the making and finally got released on Netflix. He made some money from that. though. I right? hope he did.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he think he about
1: that 20 years. He was sitting on yeah. all this footage, this classic stuff. And um, what was interesting about that is seeing other people that were successful at that time, their reaction to like uh, Kanye's like verses or like whatever. And just like knowing like, oh, he's the one. And it's just incredible. Like how other successful people can spot other successful people and like that. that no, I remember Dave Chappelle
0: huge. talking about uh, Kanye and he mm. was like, I knew him f- from the moment I met the kid. He's like, I knew he was going to be famous. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh yeah. One day his phone just rings. He picks it up. He's like, well, where you at? What are you doing? He's like, I'm recording. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> My life's dope and I do dope shit. <laughs> Crazy yeah. man. But uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens with Netflix. But uh, the tough thing is, that was the first big tech company to report earnings and such a bad omen to start the earnings season for wow, big right. tech with So them. this
2: is going to either age well or really poorly, mm-hmm. but uh, <sighs> I'm nervous uh-oh. about saying this. It's, it's, uh-oh. Yeah. So I sold off a, uh, a chunk of my Tesla stock.
1: Oh. Ooh, nice I, first nice. off, I didn't even... I, Okay, can you tell us about your history of Tesla? Because I remember yeah. you didn't own it, then you owned it, then I think you sold off. Can you tell us a little yeah, bit about so that? Yeah, so
2: I bought, so when I when I bought the Tesla Model 3 in two, th- early 2019, I decided to put some money into Tesla stock because I loved the car so much. Like okay. as soon as I got in the car, I was like, this is it. I drove straight home and I put, I think it was like 10 or 15 grand into the stock. And okay. that was back when it was $50 a share. Wow. Okay. Now this is like, you know, if you look back now, it's, it would be the equivalent of $50 a share. Yeah. And it did incredibly well. Now, the first time it ran up to $1,000, uh, I decided to sell half because it went from like back then from like 200 to to $1,000 in, in the span of like two months. And it had grown to an amount where to me at the time, I was like, that's a significant amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I should at least just take some of it off the table. So I lock in some profit. I could diversify that into something else. And I did. And then short term, I looked like a genius. I remember because, that video. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh my god, Graham Called it, because I sold at the peak. At the peak yeah. at that wow. time. Yep. And it went from a thousand all the way down to six hundred. And I looked like a genius, but mm-hmm. I never bought back in. So it's not like I was able to capitalize on that. Then it ran back up. And then at fifteen hundred dollars or it was fourteen hundred dollars pre-split, I put I think it was 150 grand in, into Tesla Okay. But that was at a time where I was earning more. And so I felt I love the company. Mm -hmm. I'm going to invest more into it. And then shortly after, I mean, this is luck. They announced the five to one stock split. Mm. And then it just went up. So I have two tax, well, and then I bought Tesla, you know, just in between there. But it was never like a significant amount. I mean, it was spread throughout multiple accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so I had an original tax lot that was worth, you know, in the low 100,000 figure. Wow! And that was like the original that I still had left over from that, and obviously I have other Tesla stock and other accounts.
0: Yeah. So, what was the hundred fifty thousand dollars? What did it grow into? Oh
2: gosh, like four hundred something. Wow! Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Right? Nice.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Nice. I'm just trying to think of the original amount that I that I have in the account right now. So, something like that, like so three fifty. You sold how much? Low hundred thousands worth. Okay. But I'm using that for a specific purpose. I don't want to reveal it quite yet. But okay, it's uh, you'll see it in the video in probably three weeks. Is okay. it real estate related? No. Oh, but, probably car but, related. If we but it's him. a good, it's a good way to diversify. <laughs> oh it's no. gonna make sense when you see it. It's gonna make sense. So either way, I'm buying a Ferrari, it's <laughs> it's it's gonna make sense. And I think okay, if I'm correct, okay, this purchase, the this other purchase is going to do just as well, if not better. I think, than the Tesla stock.
0: Okay, is it a car? I bet you it's a car. It's got to be. You know, you know. (laughs) It's going to be another car, I guarantee you. Well,
2: if it is a car, it's going to do, I think, just as well. Okay.
0: Hopefully, but
2: we'll see tomorrow because I see they have earnings tomorrow. Okay. And this could have, I could have made a huge mistake because I've been watching the price of Tesla and uh, because I knew this was kind of coming. So I was trying to be like, well, you know, Above a thousand, not bad, but um, you know, it's not the you know twelve hundred that it once was. Mm. Well, so we'll see. I mean, maybe yeah. it shoots back up tomorrow, and people are like, "Grand, this
0: is so stupid because
2: <laughs> I made the mistake once before selling it off, and maybe By I the make way, a mistake again."
0: After that original video when you sold at a thousand dollars, I remember the comments you got were like, "Oh, you're a genius, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. And then when it dropped. When it went up again, did people call you out and say like, "Wow, you're an idiot"? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, It it goes both
2: way. Yeah, yeah. So if you go back to that original (laughs) video now, it's like this age like milk, like. (laughs) But obviously, you know, it's it's like, see, I but I did diversify that. I put that into the S and P. No, it did not grow as much as it could have. But you know. In yeah. hindsight, you could look to anything, be like, You right. made a mistake here, but in the well, moment it's like that's the I felt the rational okay. decision.
1: Now what if you instead of buying that Tesla, you had put that money into Bitcoin and bought it through our sponsor today, FTX US where you could wow. buy it with no fixed fees you can buy things like nfts in their platform very easily take it yeah. away from here. <laughs> oh man okay so anyway guys you
2: could click the link down below in the description you could sign up for ftx us they're one of the largest us regulated cryptocurrency exchanges in the world and like you said jeremy there are uh, no, um, fixed no, fixed no fixed fees no fixed fees on transactions and no gas fees on the ethereum and solana collections so uh the link is down below in the description you could use our code and you will get free crypto on every trade you make over $10. I also love the fact that you could track over 10,000 different options of cryptocurrencies, and this was the app that I used to use back in 2017 when they used to be Blockfolio. Blockfolio, that's right. Yep, and I've been using them now for years, and then they rebranded as FTX, but they've been fantastic. Zero complaints. You could dollar cost average into the markets as well. You could set up a recurring deposit. That's what I do. So uh, it just makes it very easy. And
1: referral code, MM. FTX, Correct. put that in so you can get your free crypto. That's awesome, when, when you make a purchase of $10 or more. Down below awesome. in the description, so enjoy. Thank you, FTX. And uh, yes,
2: yes, I could have done that. Now, what I also found interesting is that if you look back at some of the early Tesla uh, car buyers, mm-hmm. had you bought, let's just say, uh, the $100,000 Model S, like fully loaded Model S back in 2012. With the unlimited cash. charging? Yeah, like back in 2012, whatever the top model is, Now, how much that's if if you had instead of the car bought the stock for a hundred grand? Do you know how much that would be worth now?
0: Probably a couple mil.
1: Um, Jeremy, yeah, I would say five point two million.
2: You're way off. Ten million. Nineteen. Wow. dollars. Nineteen million dollars back in two thousand twelve. Had you just bought the stock instead of buying the car cash outright?
0: Yeah. What if it's a more relatable number, like a thousand dollars? (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 no, I mean
2: the, uh, what would that be 190 grand still be 190. Crazy. you would have from a grand from a thousand dollars yeah what about 190 times
1: that's interesting you brought that out because I, I have a friend and he talks about you know uh, the original iPhone and he's like oh, I remember standing in the long line at Apple and he's like I was buying the you know the first iPhone and he's like what I should have been doing is buying Apple stock buying at that time stock, yeah. in, instead of worrying about buying the, yeah. the newest iPhone just buy the dang Apple stock yeah.
2: I was listening to some interviews earlier today of like early Tesla Uh, drivers like the first people and a lot of them were told back then that if you like the company that much you shouldn't buy the product you should buy the stock and so (laughs) a lot of these early people were smart about it so they said well I'm going to obviously support the product but I'm also going to buy an equivalent amount of stock Mm. to support the company Mm -hmm. and a lot of those people did incredibly well so I think the same thing also applies to Apple if you're sitting there buying an iPhone put a thousand dollars as well I mean obviously if you have it $1,000, Thousand dollars, but put that into the stock. I mean, between I, the two, you're probably better off in the stock.
1: Yeah, I remember looking into Tesla back then and uh, considering it as an investment, and I was like, uh, hell no, because they they were they had mountains of debt back then. Um, all car companies pretty much failed. They were losing crazy money and you knew that, you know, like I knew they were going to lose money for like all, you know, so many years. Like I couldn't even imagine a day when Tesla was going to be profitable back then. And this is like, I don't know, 2011 when I was looking into them, I was think I was still living in Arizona back then. And uh it just like you were taking a massive risk if you were to invest in Tesla. Now, the interesting thing is I wonder if I would have taken that risk if I had more money back then. Right. Obviously back then I might have a net worth of, I don't know, $20,000, $30,000 or something like that. So for me to, let's say risk a couple thousand in a car company that was probably going to go bankrupt. Yes, And even Elon Musk says back then, like he thought,
2: 10% chance of actually succeeding and 90%
0: chance the company was going
1: to fail. Yep. So crazy success, but Oh, Oh,
0: Jeremy, you thought about, so you're thinking about listing your house too, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately the neighbor listed man. Wow. So now it's selling, but they listed, they just listed for how this past weekend, Um, uh, no, I can't say, but it's a, it's a lower number than I would have liked them to list. Okay. So my hope is it moves quickly. It gets multiple bids. It, they really did it nice. Uh, The inside looks beautiful. Decorations are beautiful. I'm hoping it moves quickly. And then, uh, you know, maybe that that would give me the confidence to list mine.
2: Why don't you call the realtor and ask if they have multiple offers? Oh, find out that it's the same company. So the,
1: the the same company for the the one I'm dealing with uh, she works for the same company I don't want to name the, the name but uh they work for the same company Why So I already now. told her I already told her she she's supposed to give me information like how many bids they are getting Let's like find out now. Call, call right now. I'm not gonna call, call right now. Why? Call now. No
2: call right now And then we just ask we'll edit around it 636 as a if that's a realtor if They're picking up their phone until 11 p.m. Guaranteed <laughs> Uh, Hey, my name is Graham. Uh, I got a quick question for you. I live kind of close by to your listing on, um, I am just curious how much activity you have on that, or if you s- see that selling over asking by any chance, do you have any offers? Are
0: you, are you, um,
2: an agent or a homeowner? Yeah, I'm both. So I'm You're- licensed, but I'm also a homeowner.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's actually an escrow you already. Are. And we just haven't updated the status because we're waiting for, um, money.
2: All right, cool. Well, congratulations. Is it is it over asking? Um, not over. Okay, got it. All right, well, very cool. I'll keep an eye on it uh, online. Thank you. I really appreciate it. No
1: problem.
2: Cool. Thanks. Thanks.
1: Thanks.
0: Bye. Wow. There
1: you go, Jerry. That's really cool. I get so nervous like Why? doing a call like that. I don't know. Maybe because I don't come from the real estate industry. Oh, yeah. So she could tell you're
2: kind of like an. She's like,
1: are you an agent? Because you have the agent speak. Yeah, exactly. What so is you know, the like agent speak? Can you explain yeah, this to
2: telling us? Calling you about your property on this, I'm just curious if you have an accepted offer on it. How much interest you have on it. that's a, that's agent? Oh, okay. Homebuyers <laughs> would be like, is it still available?
1: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <All right. laughs> that's good to totally <laughs> know. <asked> that. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, a good one. Yeah. Pro tip there.
0: Pro life tip. I was curious. It. How much activity do you have? A, are you an agent? No, yeah. I just want to buy the house. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a TikTok that said, if an agent mm-hmm. says it's cozy, that means it's
1: yeah, 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 Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh that's right. Oh, can yeah. you can you show
0: us or teach us some some words that realtors use? Oh, yeah. That kind of oh, the house
1: has a nice personality. Yeah, so no, <laughs> no, no, no. So the,
2: the funniest one is like it's a it's a handyman's
0: dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing? Someone says
2: that. It's a handyman's dream. <laughs> yeah, come bring your toolbox. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, come bring your yeah, toolbox. Per, uh, oh, perfect gosh. for developers is, is, yeah. is yeah. another one.
2: <laughs> uh, no, a lot of it is just... <laughs> a lot it of a it's up- just up- like a lot of it's just oh gosh up and coming area regurgitated words like everyone uses like spacious primary suite with spa like you know yeah well it's funny have you ever bathroom with
0: you know have you ever been in a restaurant where like you read the menu and it makes you salivate and it's like brioche with uh, whatever (laughs) and you're like you get it it's like a piece of bread (laughs) like what
2: is this I mean the thing is it's like uh, with the descriptions, I've always felt like sometimes they're they're a waste because mm-hmm. everyone just looks at the pictures. Very few people will read the description. Um, mm-hmm. So the pictures, I think, are pretty self-explanatory. And with like a tour, you kind of see what's going on. But yeah, a lot of it is just regurgitated words, indoor, outdoor flow. State mm-hmm. of the art. State of the yeah, art. That's the best one. Uh, gourmet chef's kitchen. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've oh, called gosh. that. Soaring
0: so- ceilings. Uh, yeah, bright. Yeah. How much is an open house like? How much does that help to have an open house? It's
2: more for the agent. I mean, I, I will. I will say that I have sold houses from the open house. It's rare. Mm. The open house is more so for agents networking because yeah, because you can meet. First of all, all the neighbors come in because they want to see it. Get to meet all the all the neighbors. Get a good impression there and usually the way i've seen it is that if you get one listing you should be able to get two more listings from that mm. so either buyers that will call you and you show them something else and like that's something else better or another seller who calls because they see that you've listed in the area and they just want to know if well, you have anything
0: else well, what if someone's aspiring to be a, a up and coming realtor w- would you recommend that to someone oh, well, yeah to, i, right I would
2: Yeah. I mean, that's how I got started. I went to open houses Mm -hmm. every Sunday. I talked to agents and almost all of them were dismissive. And I kind of get why when you have like a kid coming up, you don't know how serious they are. Um, but yeah, if it's a slow open house and they're not busy, absolutely. I mean, sometimes when someone's coming in, when you have nothing to do and it's slow, it's like, that's the highlight of the day because then you're like, finally someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, how long does
0: it take and how much does it cost to become a licensed realtor? Uh, so
2: I'm almost done with getting my license actually here in Nevada, Mm. which is really cool. So, so far I've spent like 200 bucks on the online classes. It's another hundred dollars to take the test another 160 for processing. So you could probably get all in under like 600, $700. Wow. I
0: tried to get my girlfriend, Corey into real estate Mm. and she was taking the course and they were making her watch those videos. And she's like, I just can't do this. It's so boring. (laughs) I'm like, I know, but this is the boring part. Is that, is that something you, you kind of dealt with? You have to watch these videos. And what, what is the point? You just watch the video, you take the test, and then is it kind of a series of that?
2: Yeah, so you could take these online tests.
0: I think there's like six of them. Uh, a lot of it
2: is just like you're never going to use this stuff. And right, because is, the information,
0: yeah. I looked at them, and I was like, yeah. this is so nuanced and complicated. I was like, this is not that complicated. <laughs> yeah. Or am I missing something?
2: Yeah, I mean, they want you to, they, they want to set a certain standard of like, you're supposed to be knowing these definitions and these legal terms and like, what you know but a lot of it you will just first of all you'll forget it as soon as you take the test and then when you actually go through just becoming an agent and working as an agent a lot of the stuff never comes up and it's more important for you to know the contracts and be able to explain that to another person Mm.
0: well what's the difference between a realtor like what you were when you were making 600 grand uh, before YouTube, I remember you were making like six hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh, less. Yeah. And and uh, somebody who's just getting started, who's like, you know, doing it for their friends. Like, what what is the difference between you know, like a world class real estate agent and someone who's just like, okay,
2: seriousness they take it. I mean, to to a world class agent, like every minute of their time is valuable, and they will spend that networking, mm. and they'll do something, and they want to grow. A lot of the other agents are so happy, just like, hey, when when a buddy wants to come along buy a house, they're there but they're not spending any time growing the business. It's like they'll sit back and if someone comes up, great. But yeah, the good agents really spend a lot of time prospecting and that, and that's really what it is now. I was never a door knocker. I hated that. So my version of prospecting was posting lease listings online on Craigslist. People would call me from that and I would just convert them to Sorry, can
0: you explain a lease listing? Yeah.
2: So yeah. like just how you could list a home for sale, mm-hmm. you could list a home for lease. Mm. And at least I mean it's been so long since I've done this, but at least when I first started, there was no competition for lease listings. Like no agent ever wanted to take a lease and if they do it it's to a, it's as a favor to the homeowner because there's no money in it. right? Like maybe you would make- Like
0: 150 bucks or something? No, no,
2: no, no. Uh, Low end would be like 500 bucks, high end would be like maybe two grand. But you have to consider it's just as much work Mm. to lease a home as it is to sell a house. So you could either make $30,000 selling a house or like $1,500 leasing a home. And tenants are just, you end up becoming a property manager too. So it's not like you just sell the home and it's like, good and you move on to the next one but it's also you lease a house they call you I've been trying to get a hold of the owner and this is broken and they won't fix it what do I do and then it's like you don't want to be like well sorry it's not my problem you you want them to come back so it's like well I will uh negotiate that for you and I'll call yeah. this person and we'll get it
1: fixed right. for you
2: so it's like yeah it's a lot of work to do that but did no
0: you, no agent one did do you that. have a separate like phone dedicated specifically to to Real estate, and how late did you take your calls? No,
2: I had one phone, but like, what friends are going to call me? Like, first of all, they're going to text. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll save numbers in my phone. So it's a, But like, how how many phone calls do you really get from like friends? You just text. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So anyway, if someone's calling me, they're a client. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would pick up the phone as late as I could. So if that's eleven p.m., that's what I'm saying. Like eleven, mm-hmm. like six thirty is early yeah. for a good agent they'll pick up their phone 24/7. They'll never let it ring more than a few times. Wow. This is like with her. I mean the phone rang just like 3 times she picked up. But you could be out at dinner and like you pick up the phone like you have to do that. Especially in the beginning like obviously if you're a top agent and you have all the business you need and you're selective and like then you could be then you could say well I'm not taking calls after 7. You could afford to do that but when you're just starting out like I'd say for the first 5 years you can't afford to do that. Like, you have to pick up the phone. And when you, you started, did,
0: did you have, you worked for someone, you worked for, yeah. for, for a company. Yes. And what's the advantage of doing that versus being solo? Just
2: Yeah. So, when I first started, I was working underneath another agent mm-hmm. who was a top agent at the time in Beverly Hills. And so, I, for the first month, I did nothing other than whatever he told me to do. I didn't care what it was. If he's like, oh, oh like Sundays, I would spend hours going and putting up open house signs all across Beverly Hills. of yeah.
0: He was the top agent. One of the top agents. In LA. Yes. How did you get it that? He was like
2: gate? one of the top 100. I, uh, When I was like 17, 18, I'd go to open houses, like I had mentioned, to talk to other agents, and I'd only go to the most expensive open houses I could Oh, put. that's smart. Yeah. That's so cool. I figured like, if that's what I'm dreaming of doing one day, why am I going to waste my time on these $500,000 homes when I could go and see the... 10 million dollar homes instead so i would just like my bar was like four million and up and i would just be like i'm gonna see all of them and uh, i forget how i how i found I, I think there was like an mls magazine or something like that that i found that would show like all the open houses and i just go there and like just highlight the ones and i think this was like a print version so you so.
0: approach this guy and you're like i will do anything to work for you
2: uh it didn't start off like that but i basically went in for months talking to every agent and i'd walk up and say hey my name is graham i really want to be a real estate agent i'm getting my license right now like i'm almost done with that uh i just want to get your advice like what's it like how do you how did you like get this listing i just talked to them most of the time they were not interested at all
1: what do you laugh at (laughs) i (laughs) just (laughs) imagine
2: save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app
1: Anything you uh, want, it was it was bad, but I was
2: bad. Let's not leave with that. No, here's the thing I I, stooped to a new low. Let me tell you, looking back, I cringe because (laughs) uh, uh, I would get dressed up for these open houses and I had no idea. I've seen
0: videos of you in a tux and you were in like a Mercedes driving around. Oh,
2: but but that's when I actually had like a nice suit on. This is like before, this is before I had like. Like, nothing. Oh, okay, And okay. so I wore this, like, really baggy button. And I was, like, I had no idea how to dress at all. But I wore this really baggy, like, button-down shirt. I wore these, uh, like, they, back then the style was, like, 2007, seven, eight. So, like, it was a little more, like, saggy. So I kind of wore mm-hmm. these, like, baggy jeans. I had these oversized dress shoes. Like, they're really cheap, like, $20 ones. That uh-huh. You know they're really cheap. <laughs> From what was that? Not not Payless, but, like, DSW. Oh, like yeah, yeah. one of those outlets. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I mean, it was bad like how I was dressed but I would just walk up and talk to them, and most of them would be very dismissive Um, and would just be like oh yeah no I'd recommend you go to college wow yeah you shouldn't do this and a few of them were just straight up (laughs) depressing like they're they're saying the market is over like this is the worst time to get in the real estate we had already seen the peak so you kind of missed out on that everything is going down go to college and then come back in four years and then maybe the market will be better and um
0: this was 2011.
2: No, no, this was is two thousand eight. Oh, Oh, two thousand eight. When you were eight. walking around, like yeah. That. And then some other people were telling me that uh, you know the market was good, but now they have to get a job, like another job, Ooh. to supplement wow. their income. So like, if you could go to college, just wait this out to do that instead.
0: What changed everything?
2: Uh, I met I met that guy, okay. and I just, I, but I felt that like all these people were bitter. So I had this like really selective hearing where if they told me that, I'm like, there, there must not be a good agent. So like, why would I listen to them if they're not good? So I just kept going to, to more and more agents and then I walked into this place in Bel Air and uh, talked to the agent. And I didn't, I, I walked in asking these questions, but it was a slow open house. And we just talked for the entire time, like two hours. And then at the end of it, he's like, well, if you want to come down to my office, you could, you could see what I do during the day or if you want to help me out, you can. And I think, what did I do? The next day I went to his office and I bought like a big box of chocolates oh. just to thank him for that. And, cool. and, and I left it at the front desk, not expecting to even see him. And then the lady in the front, her name was Connie. She's like, I could see if he's here and you could drop it off. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so I saw him he's like, well, if, if you're free this afternoon, just, and, and he had me just do BS work. I mean, it's like responding to emails Call this person, see if they're still looking for a home. And he had all these sheets of people who signed in for open houses. He's just mm. like, go down this list, follow up with everybody. Mm. And I did that. I'm like, hey, Sharon, uh, my name is Graham from Colville Banker. And I want to see you. you came in this open house. What did you think of it? I just wanted to get some feedback. Oh, no, I liked it, uh, but not for us. What are you looking for? and then I just get down what they're looking for and he's like great now I want you to find properties uh, that that fit that and email it to her and I just did that wow uh, and then after that I went in every single day so no matter what he needed me to do I did it like so
0: what separated him and made him such a good agent what was that person's secret
2: he was so friendly like he was the type of person, he, had a, he was a really he had a really thick Greek accent and just people instantly warmed up to it but he mm. was also he just was very charismatic so like I've seen him go into situations where people who are like so like put off and skeptical, and then within like a minute, they're joking around. It's mm-hmm. like he had, this, he had this way about him that he could disarm people, mm-hmm. and he's really well spoken. I think with his accent, he could get away with saying like he, he had a more aggressive approach. And I didn't have that. Like if someone saw a house, you'd be like, okay, so, you know, I, I don't wanna do the accent, but like, you know, he's like, okay, so let's put it, what, what price do you want to write the offer? Uh-huh. And he'd be like, no, I don't wanna write an offer. No, but we, we should put an offer, low ball, low ball offer. <laughs> and they're like, okay, maybe we should. How about the, uh, you know, write 1.2 million. And they'll be like, I don't know. He's like, 1.2, it's see if, they'll say no, but just see. but but a lot of the times like you know they'll love that they like that that he kind of pushed them a little bit and uh, it just it worked but now i tried replicating that strategy and i learned very quickly (laughs) when you're 18 years old with like zero confidence you can't say like no we should write an opera (laughs) so i so it was a steep learning curve but but yeah, shortly after I found my niche doing you leases. You found your curve. My my yeah. curve was doing lease listings and basically just being someone's like grunt worker. Yeah. I mean, just anything that I could do. I mean, right. I was happy showing $2,000 a month apartments that made 400 bucks. Mm. And I took this so seriously. Like if they called me at APM, p.m., I'd pick up the phone, they wanna see something. And looking back, like I took it too much to an extreme. Like I canceled plans. Um, Like I I had, I had plans to like take a a day trip one Saturday to Santa Barbara and like somebody called me and wanted to see like a lease in the middle of the day and I canceled that whole day just to show the lease.
0: Uh, Yeah. How did you get connected with the uh, Selling Sunset guy?
2: Yeah. So Jason Oppenheim worked across uh, the, like if I'm working here, he worked like where you were sitting. Mm. It's just like a little bit further back. So he first started there in 2010 and he would do lease listings from time to time. I had no idea how to do them. So he would ask me, "Gram, how do you do, how do you do these leaseless listings?" And I would, you know, show him and teach him that. But then also, he had a very strong personality, and like I'd constantly hear him just like he would get kind of loud sometimes because he just he's very he's very like persistent, and so he will
0: just you like know commanding. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And but he knew like exactly what he was going for, and he's like if and he would just like anyone who got in his way, he's like, no, I'm just gonna get that. Like, so he wasn't
0: very, like the sweet, kind like no, ooh. but.
2: But so anyway, and I'll get to that in a sec, but no, not at all. He was the opposite of the other guy I was working with, like the the polar opposite. So in the past, I thought like, oh, man, you have to be like this accommodating to everybody. Like you have to drop everything. You have to like, you know, just whatever they say, you have to agree with it. And um, when Jason opened up the Oppenheim Group, he had approached me and just said, do you want to come work with us? We just opened this office and uh, you know, I'd love to bring you on the team. And at the time, like I had, I felt so comfortable at Coldwell Banker, and I really liked it there. But I felt like
1: uh, I kind of. Let he, me interrupt you know, real quick. I, what he did there is that like a costly endeavor, like like on on no. like it's not. No, he well, yes and no. He worked from his home,
2: so like oh okay. he, yeah, his his office before he opened up the Oppenheim Group was in his living room, and it was just him. He started off with an intern, okay. it was him and an intern, and then the intern became a full time assistant. And it was just him and her. And he would work from his, uh, basically his his living room was his office. Okay. And then once he started making money, then he opened up the Oppenheim Group. And that's when I joined. But it was interesting. But I felt like I had kind of capped off what I could do at Coldwell Banker. Because my income had been consistent, but it wasn't growing. And I just felt like I was doing the same thing on repeat. And it just, I I knew there had to be something more.
0: How many years were you working there at that point? Five, no.
2: I don't know. It was 2000. No, I had been working there for about seven years because I think it was 2015. Oh, wow. 14 or 15 that I left to join the Oppenheim Group. I think it was 15, but it could have been 2014. So about seven. Six, seven, six to seven years, give or take. Uh, so I left to join the Oppenheim Group, and it was totally different. I mean, it, it, Jason was so just strong, mm-hmm. as, and, and his confidence was, uh, to me, intimidating because he would have no problem telling clients off. Was he a tall
0: guy or he wasn't tall, right? Or they were about the same. I like to say I'm taller, but technically I think he's a little taller. Okay, so he's not like a huge guy. No. So I feel like part of that confidence and that bigger than life personality has a lot to do with like someone's physical stature. And it's interesting to see that that guy had so much confidence despite not being like a super tall guy. Right,
2: but I remember listening to him talk to clients and then being, you know, they would push back and he would stand his ground. Say no, I disagree with that. We're not doing that. And the client said, "But I want to do this." No, that's a waste of money. We're not doing that. Oh, and, and, and they would literally threaten to cancel the listing. And you, you know what? If you want to cancel, that's fine. But uh, you know, no one, no one else is going to sell it like I will. So if you want to leave, wow, I'm happy to let you go. He okay. did not care. And versus the other, you know what? What I was used to is just like, we'll do it. I'll listen to you. Uh, you know, don't cancel the listing. Let's keep it going. It's just a different style. But right. for Jason, it worked to be like really firm. And I remember too, if some clients wanted to list a house, he would turn them down. And I was shocked to hear that they would be like, here's the listing. It's a great house. I don't want it.
0: Why would he turn it down?
2: He doesn't like the house or he doesn't feel like they're realistic or they might be difficult. So he's like, it's not worth my time. I don't want to deal with the house. I don't want to drive up there. It's too expensive. It's not going to sell. Good luck. Would he at least advise them and say like, try selling it for this? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, he was always. Polite, but very firm. And I'd never seen someone be that, like, I don't want to say ruthless, but just very strict to the point. But people loved his honesty. Mm. And because he was like that sharp, people would respect him for that. And so when he disagreed with someone, said, no, we're not doing that. No, uh, that's a waste of time. They, at first, sometimes will will disagree, but, you know, the next day, they would love him for that, for that honesty. How
0: did he get his hands on such expensive listings? Networking. Just networking.
2: I've never seen someone so good at networking. Like I've tried learning from him and I I can't even do it. Like we'll hold identical open houses and afterwards he'll say, Graham, you wanna come with me to the you know, we got we got two uh, potential listings and do you wanna come with me to these listings? I'm like, what what do you mean? We had like the same people that we send back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, I know I talked to this guy and you know, when we really got down to it, he wants to sell, so let's go to that one. And I talked to the same guy, but just the way he did it. Uh, gets people to and again i think it's to get people to open up and i think just his demeanor his confidence makes people be like yeah you know what come over let's you, see we You know what's the
0: fascinating i could kind of make sense of that and you tell me if i'm wrong on this but it feels like the wealthier you are in life the more that approach works towards those people mm-hmm. like they just want a no nonsense approach just tell me what it is you don't have to waste my time you don't have to be kind or nice to me just tell me what you think And I think that resonates so much with people that are wealthier, generally speaking, and people that are less wealthy, I think they like to be catered to. They like to be sold the dream, right? And that kind of makes sense why the other guy's approach. But the other guy's approach, he was also selling multimillion dollar houses. Yes,
2: I would say between the two, Jason, by volume, sales volume, was, I mean, way more successful. He sold way more. But he also had a vision of creating his own brokerage and really expanding Uh, in a way that a lot of people just don't have. Mm
1: -hmm. Networking is crazy in that industry. The first time I ever realized that I was like 16 and I had a friend whose dad was really successful in Arizona at real estate, probably had like, I don't know, 10 or 20 agents working under him and um, went to a Diamondbacks baseball game and saw the dad in the first inning and the ninth inning. Never saw him the rest of the game. He was up in the boxes. He was talking with people. And uh, yeah, I saw him at the very beginning of the game, very end of the game, the entire other time. He was just networking with people. And um, I remember one time I went to Starbucks um, and he had an Escalade back then, which I thought was so awesome, like in the Escalade days. And I went to Starbucks and the the whole time he was just talking with people in Starbucks and just networking and just like knowing people and then like getting to know this person and just starting conversations if he didn't know somebody. And it was just incredible because he, uh, the way I imagine his mind work is just constantly everything needs to be, I need to make connections with people. And uh, I, To be honest, though, that it's kind of like I don't know if you you, if you know like the TikTok thing where people are like because of social media they view everything as a piece of content. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about that. or talked about like you see a bagel and it's like I gotta make content. Right. How do I make this. money from yeah, this and make a you, video? It might have been it. you yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. And uh, it's just interesting when you go so far down that rabbit hole. It's like if you're just sitting there, it's like what am I doing? I need to be talking with somebody. I need to make a connection. Right. Like I can't just sit here and just drink my let coffee. me ask you
0: a more a more kind of a conceptually philosophical question. How much of someone. Success do you think is determined by luck versus how much they control?
1: That's that's tough. I mean, luck is obviously very important, like what country you're born into, uh, you know, like like who are you brought around, um, you know, as you grow up? Is mm-hmm. it you know your parents you get to learn from and things like that? IQ could matter. Uh, I think definitely luck plays a part, but also I think it's the drive. But then you can say, do you get that drive because of external factors that were put on you? Which then makes you driven mm-hmm. into certain ways. So, right. I mean, I think a lot of it is uh, is luck that that than um, anything else. Could I you think. put a number on it? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> it's a big number, though. It's a big number. Yeah, More or less than fifty. I'd say more than 50. More than 50? Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, you could be hit by a bus, you know? Sure. So what are the chances of being born? It goes back to the Gary Vee thing. It's like, right. what is the chance of being born? Like 0.000 is 000, some crazy number. Graham, right? what do you think? Yeah,
2: but I don't think we're going to count because all of us okay. are born and is watching okay. it. So it's already assumed yeah. that then it's like you've, you've made born. it past that okay.
0: part. Well, what do you think, Graham?
2: Uh, I'd say it's probably 75,
0: 80% drive. 75%, 80% in uh, your control. Right. Okay. Yeah, I believe it.
2: Uh, because you could you could even look think of it like a slot machine.
0: You know, it's like the
2: more times you pull down on that lever, the more likely you are to win. Mm. And even though you might not win at the first yeah. one, you'll if you keep going long enough,
0: you will hit a win. That, that's so fascinating um, that like y- your perspective and Graham's perspective, and, and neither one is right or wrong. Like, yeah. like my perspective, the way that I think about success and, and like life and what mm-hmm. determines someone's success, I would I'm on Graham's side, reversed. No. Like ninety percent luck, ten percent Oh harder. gosh, I
2: think that discredits yes. all the work that people put in to to overcome the odds, to, to I, succeed. Oh, man, the mental endurance. We can that it get takes.
0: into we can get into like our rabbit hole with this conversation. <laughs> right? Maybe we want to save it for another <laughs> episode. <laughs> what, but no, never. <laughs> but here's the thing. If okay. you tell somebody that yeah.
2: you think it's eighty percent luck, yeah. then why even try? Then it's just luck at that point. Like if if you're gonna That's tell someone point you could do your best right. and at least that encourages them to move in the right direction, or it's like, oh no, it's just luck. Oh. And then it's like, well, then, then people are more likely just to sit around and just like, oh, well, it's just, so, that person so, was lucky and then it, that yeah. discredits no, that's a gr- That's a great point yeah. and
0: here's the distinction that I make that I think, Jeremy, you, it's cool that you are able to recognize this, like, okay, so I was born in Russia, like mm-hmm. a broke country, All right? Had I been born like one door to the right, I would have never even been able to leave that country. Mm. And now Graham is one of the smartest. You are seriously like one of the smartest ones, most successful people, and you got that way by working hard and being persistent mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I'm not discrediting that. But I also think that, for example, you and Kevin, like people I look up to a lot, uh, you guys kind of you guys had like the trifecta that I call the trifecta that was perfect timing and everything. It was it was the right asset class, and the right timing, and the right location. But you like if you. Th- buy- but hold on, yeah. let me start. Uh, if if you were, for example, if you got into real estate in like 05, 06, 07, you could have easily been discouraged enough from ever pursuing it again because you faced this big crash. But even before then, another leg of this three-legged stool, I suppose, is um, you were exposed to the right thing at the right time. Like, for example, growing up from you know gymnast parents, everyone, not just my parents, but like everyone around them, They were living paycheck to paycheck and that was just like normal life. Mm -hmm. You didn't even ask if this was normal or not, you just did it. Um, I didn't even know you could build wealth, let alone with what, right? And so I think the fact that you were exposed to a path that allowed you to even question and ask the right question is luck in and of itself that is beyond your control. So number one, you were exposed to a path to wealth that I think a lot of people, most of the world does not get exposed to. Mm -hmm. Number two, you got into it at the perfect time, 08 at the bottom almost, right? Had you done it a year or two earlier, hold on, hold on, second stool, right? So the right asset class at the right time. Third, in the right location. What other place in the world could you name me that you could have had that trifecta or with real estate and made that much money. Like literally, maybe no other place in the world could you have gotten into real estate and made that much money New into it. Okay, Francisco. one place, I mean, two places. In Vancouver, the world though, in the world. Dubai. LA, then LA, really? You're comparing that to like LA and Beverly Hills? There's no way. So okay, hold on. I think yeah. Hold on. Yes. Now I am not saying that if you had trans, if you had transposed you and I, right? I'm not saying that I would have had that same success. I think you could drop someone else with a different personality trait, like me, for example, who was raised to to be told not to take risks. Like I wouldn't have even done it, even if I had your circumstances, right? Like I'm, I'm giving you the credit mm. for the fact that the way that you are you capitalized on it, which not everyone I think was able to. I'm telling you, I don't think I would have been able to capitalize on it, maybe. So the circumstances you had, I think led you to build that momentum to realize the person that you are now. Now, if you don't have that momentum on your side until you're 60 or 70, when you realize like, oh, this is how it works. Like, yeah, you could say at that point it's hard work, but like you missed it. And it's and it's those first stepping stones that really gives you that momentum to be exposed to the success, to the hard work, to all these concepts that I agree with you are the difference between make or break. But it's the other things that are far beyond your control, like where you were born, how you were raised, what you got into, when you got into it, that I was not able to do. And yet we still came to kind of the same conclusion. We find ourselves in the same industry because of something we shared. Was it something our parents told us? Was it something we heard? Was it something we saw? Was it the right question? I don't know what it is, but that's why I think to me, like a lot of people's success, especially in the early stage of their life is determined like 90% by luck. And yet the other 10% that really tips that grain of rice that tips the scale, that's your work.
2: But the other thing is that you have people with way more resources. You should be way luckier who don't do anything. And they just waste it all so True. I don't I don't think resources I mean, there's certainly things what what I would say the probably the luckiest thing is is being born into a family who is supportive and they weren't abusive and they didn't suffer from uh you know the addictions and there, there were a lot of things growing up that definitely gave me uh that sort of confidence that no, I felt like no matter what I pursued it would be good um but to say that like real estate was the perfect timing back when I started that was the worst timing if you're talking about in hindsight you could spin it in a way that, that was oh that was
0: good timing no i think it's but objectively the best time
2: 2008 to start as an agent that was right at the peak of the market as the market was going down the first four years of my career every year the market was going down right in hindsight but you were
0: buying at the low point.
2: point four years later but that was assuming i even made any money as an agent
0: yeah but, but i think you could have made you could have thrown money into almost anything starting 08 after after the crash and May, everyone money.
2: told me it was a bad idea people told me it was a bad idea to start real estate they're in because yes. everyone
0: but that's why i'm giving burnt. you that's why i'm giving you people the credit t- i
2: know but people also told me 2011 12 bad time to buy real estate right, right, right. it crashed people in 2015 why do youtube everyone else is on youtube no one's on making finance content on youtube true 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 but these but, are all but these yes. are all
0: like circumstantial like not circumstantial so they're they're subjective they're, they're your thought process whereas like the events objectively mm-hmm. historically were the best time. I'm not saying like you didn't encounter pushback. I think there are
2: always opportunities out there. And I, th- I just think it comes down to the mindset to spot opportunities when they're there. I, I yeah. believe no, that I agree if with it were that. not YouTube, if it were not real estate, if I had started earlier, there would have been another opportunity right. to, to seek out.
0: Right. And even right now, I'm sure but, there are
2: oppor- the opportunities that people are true. jumping on. it. like, but, wow, that's listen, the perfect time. But yeah. there
0: are people, I bet, that are watching this video in some parts of the world mm-hmm. that can take everything you're saying and they will get nowhere near as far as they could get if, let's say, they were born in a certain location here in the U.S.
2: But what are you going to do about it? Then it's No, like, you, I know, yeah, true, right. but exactly. So why focus on it? If, if, well, if, if, if well something we have to acknowledge that. But if something is not going to serve you, I've always taken the approach, right. why put any mental energy into it? Why say, if, if, it's, if it doesn't do you an advantage to say, well, I'm not lucky because I wasn't born in this, so if, if that pushes you back in any way, mm-hmm. why not focus on what you can control? I don't think I it's could,
0: as much of, a, of advice that is meant to push anyone back as much as it is to be forgiving to yourself if you don't find yourself in a place that you want to be. And that's not to say like don't work hard, mm-hmm. don't push. It means if you're not at that place and you're not a multimillionaire or whatever you want to be, perhaps recognize that we started life at different points in the race,
1: mm-hmm.
0: things that were far beyond your control. And I think acknowledging that is to realize that there's, there's a bigger world than just the US. There's a bigger world than just LA. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, we can cater to people that watch us, but they've already won the lottery, genetically speaking.
1: Yeah, I, I think you got to view it on a person-by-person basis. And I think somebody's got to be proud of what they achieved. Right. Um, for instance, I know we, we've talked about the, the gentleman that founded FTX, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if he lived our lives, he might be in depression. You know, like literally, like imagine how poor we are to him. Right. Like we're yeah, so insignificant. Away. He's giving away all of his yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. And he could give yeah. away 99%, and he would still be richer than all three of us combined by an exponential amount, sure. right? And so think about that for a moment. But he started at a different level. And so we we shouldn't feel like we stink because right. we're not him. That's kind of He's what I was trying to say. He's got 30 billion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I think you got to view it as like where you were at, be proud of yourself. And it doesn't mean he was necessarily smarter than us. It doesn't mean he worked harder than us. It's just a different circumstance. Right. 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 Um, and so that that's where it gets into luck. And so maybe it's something like a 50-50, you know? Maybe. Right. Because um, maybe if we were in his shoes, we would have executed on that. And now we'd be worth 30 billion or whatever right. in climbing. Right. Or Or maybe we wouldn't. You know, no, you can't really play th- th- it
0: Therein lies what I'm saying to Graham is, is that even though my perspective of the world is that 90% of people's success is based on chance and the ability to capitalize on it, that is not to say that if you were to transpose a normal person, or the average person, or let's say even me with Graham, that I would find his success. Mm. That is not, that's not what I'm trying to say. So yeah. I, I think there are things that also we are born with, whether it's intellect, yeah. whether it's talent, or whatever it is. Or or the, the physique that gives us yeah. the confidence and the ability to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Like you said with Jason Oppenheimer. Perhaps he was yeah, born I th- I think with I'll, an ability yeah. to capitalize on that success that built on itself. Yeah, but I didn't think I could make YouTube videos. No, me neither. Yeah. Me neither.
2: But it goes to show you that over time, if you have a passion for something and you're right. really into it and that's what you focus on, you could do it. 100. Obviously I'm not gonna be a basketball player, 100%. but I didn't have an interest in that. Right. So I think it's I think it's more worth it for people to focus on what they can do right now today. Um, than it is to focus on any shortcomings.
0: Well, I will I, agree with that yeah. too. Yeah, I will agree with that. I'm not yeah. saying that let's promote mediocrity and like you don't have to do anything. It's just, everything is a flip of the coin. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying I think it's nice to be objective and realize that so much of our success was built on predetermined it's, things. Yes, but it's hard to it's
2: it's hard to ever say something like that because yes, that's true. But then other then why don't if that were that much of a determining factor, then why don't people with more have more success for the same reason for that I told you more, for the same less. reason
0: that I told you if you switch places with me and I would have had your life I would have not necessarily had what you have mm-hmm. that's exactly in yeah. reverse what you're saying yeah. because we are born with different upbringings and things that certain people capitalize on and certain people think is a too big of a risk to take
1: mm-hmm. or maybe they, they don't they don't value that right. so you know uh, Let's oh that's say, a great point so yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe they maybe don't the, value money yeah, so right. it's like why, why do I care to make here, a lot yeah. of money yeah, yeah. like uh, that's not my drive yeah. I right. want to you know enjoy weekends right. off or right. vacations or family yeah. and so just different people have different values right. too right. and we shouldn't just say you know you're not successful if you don't have a certain amount of money right yeah. no exactly so, yeah you uh, don't have a
2: million dollar
0: Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a month's worth oh oh yeah should we find out what's in the box Yeah, I would love to guess what's in it
2: my guess is Pokemon know. cards, but I bet it's not.
1: Okay, one hundred twenty three. I don't have a clue, dude.
2: Yeah, the, the other thing it could be some sort of precious metal, but I I don't know why you would
1: be carrying no, it in that box. I don't think it's a precious metal. What else could it be? I don't it's know. it's
0: not Pokemon. It's not Pokemon, but you're close.
1: Oh,
2: then it's probably platinum. Oh, you know what it is? It could be a coins. No, it could be rare coins. We-
0: watches. No. no. No, it's just not watches. Ugh, this is really heavy. Ugh. Diamonds? Jeez. Oh,
1: oh come come on, my Andre. gosh. It's gold. But oh, but come
0: on. how many? How much gold? Nine hundred and ninety-nine grams. How much is that worth? Um I don't know. that's a lot. It's worth this much, Jeremy. Sixty K.
1: Oh. Which is also
0: not real money, but I just wanted to illustrate what that would look oh, like man. if you owned Andre, a piece of gold. Come on.
1: What did I let you down? You I thought you had something. I was like, really? I was like, wow, I told you really you I brought was some in No, or? I said
0: hypothetically <sighs> how much it would be worth.
1: Oh, shit. I'm not about to bring $100,000 worth no, of stuff. No, that's why I was I like, dang, man, a have a security this does,
0: guard. this
2: looks like good money." Right? Uh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Motion pink. It's just that this might be the same money that I have And props we trust. Sweet <laughs> oh so gosh, it, gosh. Right.
0: But but for anyone who doesn't know what it looks like, because I don't, I've never taken out cash. But this is ten grand right here. Yeah. This is what that looks like. Yeah. So you invested ten of these into silver. Mm. It's so crazy, and man! You'll get
2: five back. <laughs> yeah, I imagine.
0: <laughs> I love ten, ten years. Yeah. It's worth ten Dude, bucks. Like, I I love like looking at things and just visualizing what it actually looks like. Mm. like if you look at how much a person earns in a lifetime. If you were like put it on a table, it's so much less than people. Oh, envision it yeah, to be yeah. I see what you're and saying. it's just it's just a weird way to look at life when you like yeah. visualize what what you're trying to aim for and yeah. you're like wow that's all this is and maybe that helps trick your mind into thinking it's, this is
1: not so yeah. hard I get it it's like the days before credit cards and debit cards you know now we're, we're so used to paying with that we yeah. never see the money exactly. transact back in the day imagine you got to carry cash to pay for oh my that god dude I remember this. like taking a 20 out and I'm like oh
0: that's so much money for this yeah. and
1: now it's like on a card you're like 200 that's yeah. whatever like, <laughs> I don't wait, see it I don't yeah. see it I don't know. Oh, I think
0: it's a cool way of thinking about it, but oh, that I just wanted to illustrate. That's cool. Yeah.
1: But I'm still
2: disappointed. I'm sorry it's not like real $100,000. $100, I thought it was something
0: like,
1: yeah. Oh, well. <sighs>
0: hey, we should all bring some stuff every week and do a show and tell about
1: Next it. Next week, it's your turn, Graham. Yeah. Your turn. Gur sperms. <laughs>
0: oh yes yeah. so you saw the books i did yeah it's cool is that cool oh my god so Graham and i yeah. go out to sushi and he's like okay mm-hmm. i got this thing but I, you can't you can't buy it if i tell you what it is you can't i'm like what is it mm-hmm. and he's like you have to promise I'm like i'm not gonna promise what did you buy but you he's but like, you had to promise. no no you, ha- you <laughs> have to pr- like i'm not gonna tell you unless you promise and i'm like all right i promise i'm not gonna buy it he's like, and i'm thinking here i'm thinking like oh he just like bought some like crazy thing He just bought some pokemon crazy and he's like I bought a set of Goosebump books. <laughs> i yeah, like, It took me a what? long time
2: to find them at a good price, though. Um,
0: was I there? Because I feel like I no. remember this conversation. No, you didn't. Okay. No, you weren't there. No. It okay. And you, you showed me, I think, on your phone, yeah. like the
1: collection. Yep. <laughs> like, wow. Because this is months ago now. No. no this six was six like ago. a year you, ago. ago. It was a, yeah, it while was a long ago. long time ago. Yeah, it took
2: me like four months to find a good set in a, at, a, at a fair price that was not uh, worn. Because a lot of people open the books. Yeah. And they have like, ed- you know, edged hairs or whatever. Oh, okay. So I found a perfect set, yep. one through 62, of Goosebumps, the original Goosebumps books. I got them framed. How much yeah. was it? Uh, the set was under 500 but every other set that I saw in that same condition was 800 to 1200 Oh, wow. So when that came up, I uh, just made an offer, immediately got it. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. So already I've made money. Wow, but the frames were more quick. than the books, though. That, oh, that was—that's the downside. It lo- to me, it was like it's a work of art. Is that like a local company you had yes. to do that? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So they had to custom make this frame. It's uh, I think like two
0: feet by two. I feel feet like the too. frames cost more than the books. They, that's what I just said. Oh, you yeah, just, said just said that. Oh my gosh, yeah, I missed it. More than the books. Jesus. Yeah,
2: because they don't have frames for books. Because my big thing was that I did not want the books to be damaged at all, and so, I wanted them to be protected from the sunlight. So they. Yeah. So
0: technically, you lost money on it the frame Ooh. has value
2: wouldn't it <laughs> I think if I, if I put these up for sale okay, I would get more than I have invested
0: into if it if people knew who was selling it maybe, well,
2: I, maybe I'd use that to my advantage <laughs> that's, <fair. laughs> that's, yeah, fair. Yeah, that's fair. but here's the thing though it's not necessarily that but it's also the exposure that I'm able to give the books if, if I wanted to sell them you get like 100,000 people seeing it versus an eBay listing where mm-hmm. people only see it if they're looking for it
0: right I don't think I've actually read a single goosebumps books.
2: I remember seeing them growing yeah. up; they were super cool. But yeah, I yeah. remember That's the
0: reading look. uh the Animorphs. I don't oh, know if you that was like that.
2: the knockoff Goosebumps book, and like the, yeah, I hate, yeah, I hated this covers you,
0: I never read the yeah. the those yet, yeah. but I remember the the scary stories to tell in the dark, the three series Ooh, book. I bought that. Yeah. That's actually really yeah, cool. Scary with the scary picture. Yeah, pic- oh my god, pictures. they're There's, terrifying. Yeah, I did not like
2: those. <laughs> yeah, those are cool though. Yeah. But the Goosebumps books, I mean, I don't know what they're going to be worth one day. Probably, you know, not like a first edition Lord of the Rings. Right. But uh, I think it's neat. And I just think it's a work of artwork because you could look at it and it's like, I I had all those books as a kid and it's just so cool to see the imagery and like. The artwork is incredible. Yeah, that's really
0: cool. All yeah.
1: right, this is a portion of the show, Andre, where you tell Graham he lives a high flying lifestyle.
2: <laughs> oh, and then and then I'm yeah, of, how, and then Alex. Then is then how everyone is out of touch and how lucky? Yeah, <laughs> how it's all luck. How yeah, do, how dare you, you take away from
0: my effort? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I think we all work really hard. Yeah, we all work yeah. really hard. And uh, yeah, sure, you might say we deserve where we are, but mm. uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think there are circumstances beyond our control that. It's okay to be forgiving towards yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, work for the best, hope for the best work for the best. Um, but you know, don't expect crazy things to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're going after that.
0: Yeah. Even then I think, you know, even with YouTube, like, yeah, even though I've worked insanely hard and sometimes I don't sleep until like 4am. Yeah. Mm. I probably outwork 99.9% of people, but still I attribute a lot of the success on YouTube to uh, luck in the sense that I had the necessary prerequisites and mm-hmm. skills as far as storytelling, cinematography, a passion about money, which is inarguably the most important important topic in 2020, 2021 uh, of, of YouTube's entire career, yeah. like finance. That was the years of finance. Mm-hmm. And to be there at the right place at the right time, knowing and having the right skills, even though all of those skills took me busting my butt, it still was beyond mm-hmm. my control. And there are lots of talented people that I know who are friends of mine that are world-class singers and dancers and acrobats and that they're like amazing and really hard workers that yeah. really haven't gone anywhere and they have an incredible work ethic. Yeah. So I don't know, I think it's important to realize certain things like that. And it's not to say like, I want to promote mediocrity and just like sit on your butt and do nothing. Yeah. But I think it's okay to be forgiving and uh, you know kind of understand an objective perspective.
1: 100%, I love that it was a good point I was going to make, but I forgot it again. I'm always forgetting the points I'm going to make. I think I got dementia at 32 already. <laughs> <Dementia>. <laughs> That's why you like Warren Buffett. Oh, I love Warren Buffett. Thanks for reminding me how much I love Warren Buffett. No, Warren, yeah, Warren forgot about that. Warren, <laughs> yeah, I forgot how much I love Warren Buffett. Did I ever tell you about him? No, Warren Buffett once said, he said something great. He said, "If he was born, you know, uh, a few hundred years before, yes. in a jungle or something, he would have been eaten by a lion." No, exactly. One of the richest people in the world. I feel exactly. That's a, that's a oh, great. it. Yeah, that way was him and Jay
2: Z that were talking side by side. Coming, oh, okay. Coming, entirely different upbringings, but both equally uh, well—not necessarily equally <laughs> successful, but very similar levels of success. Yeah. Yeah. But situation. I
0: love what he said in that conversation. He mm-hmm. he said, "The reason I'm so wealthy is because society decided to put a high value on something that I was good at." Yeah. And if I was good at something else wouldn't have valued it as much Mm -hmm. and that's why uh, again getting into the weeds i'm not going to get into this but like
1: this is the point i was going to make is uh you know sometimes i even wonder this i wonder if uh you know the the things i'm doing now are actually holding me back
0: Mm.
2: yes
1: yeah you know from like uh so essentially like like, yeah (laughs) that's (laughs) that's a big that's yeah every stock (laughs) i own no i'm just kidding no but like like youtube and like the whole thing i'm doing right um like everything I put my effort into on a daily basis, if that's actually holding me back and I could get far better um, if you like took away this and essentially I could focus on the next endeavor, right? That's a huge yeah. opportunity.
2: I've always been a firm believer that uh, if you've got something good, you keep it, you work something on the side. If the side takes off and it does better than the main thing, do the side thing. That's
0: mm-hmm.
1: interesting. That's always what but I But the thing I, is, I we, we, we're so busy now, we don't have time for side things. So that's the issue. I because we yeah. there's there's no way we could start a side thing now. I wish I could have done it and like Brandon did. Like he,
0: he he grew a business alongside an already successful business whereas mm-hmm. like I mm-hmm. jumped out of the airplane and the and the, the, I'm not saying You're that this is doing a well. I was doing okay. I actually yeah. quit my job in 2017. And for two years, I was just depressed. I got out of a a relationship and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was approaching 30 and I was like, dude, I don't want to be that 30-year-old that's like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And here I had this identity that this this character that I built for 30 years of my life. Mm -hmm. who I thought I was. And at 28, I was like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I have these skills and passions and I Mm -hmm. applied to like 50 jobs. I didn't get a single interview. Wow. And I was like, well, I didn't get a single interview. And I was like, I guess I'm gonna have to create something for myself. And I gave myself one year to do YouTube. I rejected every single work offer, every gig, everything. And in 2017, I filed for taxes. I I made like 10 grand in Mm -hmm. 2017, like legit. 10 grand. I was living on probably like $500 a month, maybe. So I was uh, living very, uh, you know, it was a very slim lifestyle. So uh, did you have your current girlfriend back then? I did. Okay, you did. Yeah, and she was so helpful throughout it all. But. It took me two years to build up the courage to do YouTube.
1: Wow. And then I gave myself
0: a year in January, 2019. I was like, I'm gonna do this for a year. And if it doesn't work, I'm gonna move in back with my parents as this 30 year old loser, who's no. gonna be living with his parents, no. which I, I think is the wrong perspective to take. Yeah. But I think sometimes we're, we're the worst, we're our own worst critics. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's good to be more forgiving to yourself yeah. because I think it's more conducive to, be, to to living a life that's a little bit more fulfilling rather than like criticizing yourself. So, so I, in 2019, I started and I gave myself a year. And if it failed, I would have just like gone back to school and done something. Mm-hmm. But uh, but anyway, the, the Warren Buffett thing yeah. where we talked about, that, that's why I don't distinguish genius. Yeah. Because to me, whatever someone's good at is an equally worth pursuit. Like if someone's yeah. a, a world-class swimmer or a gymnast, that is no different than if you're a world-class, I don't know, a rocket scientist. Yeah. Yes, society puts a different value dollar-wise on those skills. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, beyond our control. Yeah. But when people are like, that person's a genius, I'm like, how is that more of a genius than like a, a, an expert magician? <laughs> like, it, that's what you spent your life getting good at. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, how is that any different than a dude who spent his life studying math and rockets? Cool. You're good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Society values the guy who does the rocket stuff because he makes more money. But to me, I don't see any difference in terms of worthwhile yeah. pursuit. And
1: if you really want to go down the luck rabbit hole, then you can go into like people you happen to know. Family members or friends, uh, you know, they always use the Jeff Bezos wife example, right? Mm-hmm. She became obviously super rich, and she was married to him. And it's like, well, how much did she help or not help? Right. Um, so yeah, you could get into a lot of debates there, but I think we kind of beat dead horse there True. a little bit. So.
2: But you, but it sounds like you feel like you're holding yourself back, Jeremy.
1: I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure, because like sometimes I think it's so hard when you're you're in this thing, right? And you're like doing all this, but you you can't you can't. Un, untapped from that really unless you have to like really like let go of it all and that's a tough decision to make because then you like let it go of it all
0: well it depends is the thing you want to pursue in line with what you're doing now well, I don't know but oh, you okay. can't even see it though
1: okay because say, you're yeah, so it, in
0: it
2: by you know, it's quitting you're going to see other bigger opportunities mm, that are out there exactly that right now
1: yeah yeah it, because when you're so in it there's just no way like Graham's so busy there's no way he could see an opportunity right now that would be massive because right. he's got to worry about millennial money, and then the podcast, and then there's other channel, and then his other channel. Poor Graham. So no, and it's, it's great, <laughs> but the, who knows? He might have a yeah. multi-billion-dollar idea that he just can't execute because True. he doesn't have the time to but even I go think, there. But True. I
2: think if if I did think of that idea and I thought it had potential, I would find I would cut something to put some time into that, and then if it takes off or it, you know, if it doesn't do anything, it doesn't do anything. But mm-hmm. I think I don't know. I, I, I'm, more, I'm more curious of what I would do if I wasn't doing YouTube and that thought crosses my mind from time to time. Like, well, well, You'd be a would drummer. I... <laughs> well, Yeah, but like I couldn't drum all day. So yeah. it's like, you know, I don't know yeah. what I would do if it wasn't for this, but I don't know. Make sure to subscribe, by the way. Hit the like button and until next time. Peace.